At Every University's Goizueta Business School, we believe in going beyond what is to build what should be. Because when you change your perspective, you can change business for the better. In an ever-changing marketplace, we seek to make our mark, to achieve more, build more, do more, create more. That's the Goizueta Effect. I'm your host, Gretchen Wright. Today we'll be discussing personal data gathered by companies and how it's used with marketing professor David Schweidel. Dr. Schweidel is an expert in social media, data analytics, marketing, and privacy. Welcome. Thanks a lot, Gretchen. So there's clearly a lot of data out there um, about us that's floating around. How can it be used for marketing? What are the sources that, that are used for marketing? Think about what the goal of, of marketers is. We want to better understand our audience. We want to offer the products and services that people are going to be interested in. We want to find the people who are most interested in what we have to offer and then put the messaging, put the products in front of them so that they can see it for themselves. If we think about how do I learn about the customer? You know, what's the most insight I can get into an individual? It used to be the case that we might say, well, we have demographic information. I know the zip code that you live in. I know based on census tract information. I know based on surveys that you filled out. Um, a lot of that information we can think of being gathered um, or being directly elicited from consumers themselves. And that's not necessary anymore. If I want to know which brands you're interested in, well, let me look on your, the, what are you posting about on Twitter? What are you posting about on Facebook, on Instagram? Which brands are you talking about? Which brands are showing up in the pictures that you choose to post? Those are the brands that you're interacting with. If I look at the language that you use when you're talking about certain brands, that's going to tell me something about the relationship that you have with those brands. So for example, if you post online that you had a horrible customer service experience with your cell phone provider, that's a signal to other cell phone providers that this might be someone that we can potentially poach. Same thing if we're talking about any type of customer service experience, whether it's financial services, hospitality, airlines, these are all signals of the strength of the relationship that you, ha that you have with one brand and th that's conversation that is potentially observable by other brands. And it goes the other way as well. It's not necessarily just useful for competitors. If I say I had a great experience at this retailer or I had a great, you know, this was um, a great show that I saw at the Fox Theater, that's information that those venues, that those brands can be taking advantage of to say, hey, this is a this is a consumer who has a good relationship with us. And we want to keep that in mind for subsequent interactions. You know, there's it feels like we give away pieces of information about ourselves constantly, um, you know, our, our phone numbers, our locations, that kind of thing. Um, clearly, large corporations can can afford to buy and analyze and use that data. But is it something that that small businesses can use? Two, I mean, is this is this is this gathering and then use of personal data widespread? The gathering of personal data is widespread. You know, I, I mean, we think about all of the actions that we take every day on our cell phones, on our computers, and not even the ones that are, require an action on your part. In some cases, you carrying your cell phone around with you over the course of the day. Even if you've never uh, picked it up, the fact that it's on your person, 
that it's it's on you you're traveling with it all day depending on the apps that you have installed depending on the permissions that you've granted in some cases it can pick up the data of where you've been um throughout the entire day and that doesn't require you actively doing anything you know then there's the entire class of data collection around your digital actions you know you go to a website you search for something on google um you listen to spotify you watch something on netflix all of these um actions leave digital traces behind some of those are going to be proprietary so for example what you watch on netflix is netflix is going to have access to that some of those actions though are going to be things that can be captured by a broader range of firms. Um, so for example, location data off of cell phones. There are mobile location data companies that will package that data up, aggregate it up to a certain degree, and re resell it and make it available to brands, to organizations that might find that data to be useful. And, and are there uses for our personal data that are not related to commerce um you know are there are there uses beyond marketing absolutely yeah i think if if we look just now at for example we were just speaking about location data and that's become during um given the current pandemic that's something that's being talked about a lot of can we use mobile location data to to do contact tracing Google and Apple have are collaborating on this. You have software developers all over the world who are developing contact tracing apps that will run in the essentially in the background on our phones. And so that's going to give the public health community a great weapon to be able to combat these types of situations going forward. You know, if we think about social media activity that people are engaging in, things that they're posting online, uh, the type of language that's used by individuals on so on social media can be indicative of mental state and so you may be able to identify people who are potentially ha um, in the midst of a mental health crisis and i believe that's something that facebook has done some work around uh, in order to say hey you know let's should we be sh what ads should we be showing to people should we be potentially intervening if we detect that this person may be going may be experiencing depression um there's a, it raises the question of where do, where does the responsibility lie if we're able to make that inference and, and it seems like um just based on my experience with social media people share um an enormous amount about themselves um just you know as they interact with with social media they post about their day they post about their work they toast about things they're doing and what they're feeling is it your sense that there is some tipping point where we shifted away from seeing privacy as an incredibly important and precious commodity to a place where it is more important to get the convenience that comes from sharing personal information or or to get whatever kind of, of feeling people get from sharing personal information. I mean, people, you know, fill out quizzes online all the time and, um, you know, their favorite songs, pictures of their mm -hmm. family, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head where it's a trade-off, right? There's, on the one hand, we value privacy to some extent. On the other hand, we value the convenience and features. And so which of those is more important? 
um, I for, I think the author is I think it's Susanna Zuboff had um, who just put out a book within the last year or so on surveillance capitalism, and she offers a historian's take on how we ended up where we are today. Um, and one of the interesting pieces that I took away from that is if you look back to kind of the dot com boom and when a lot of today's you know, big behemoth companies like Google were were in their growth stages, um, it was in the wake of 9-11. If we think about kind of our mentality before 9-11 versus after 9-11, Zuboff argues that there was a shift in mentality um, that you could attribute to that event um, from a, from one perspective before 9-11 being that privacy is essential and we need you know, we cannot infringe upon people's privacy. Well, after 9-11, the mentality shifts to we can't allow something like this to ever happen again. We should be doing whatever it takes to prevent this from happening again, even if that means sacrificing uh, some of our values with respect to privacy. Uh, there is a great TV show um, that kind of takes a similar perspective, Person of Interest, where it was, again, in the wake of 9-11, a big brother massive surveillance system was developed by the government. Um, and you can think about what are the ramifications that that has of being under surveillance 24-7 and is that a society that we want to be um, a part of? Google, just from um, you know timing standpoint, it was going through its growth as our perspective shifted and we said, okay, maybe we don't need as much privacy as we thought we needed. And so now companies are kind of adopting that playbook of let's collect as much of this data as we can and we think it's, we can turn it into something that's useful. I'll be the first to admit, I think that the tech companies have given us a, a lot of tools that if you were to weigh, is this worth it versus that I want to use this tool versus I would rather maintain my privacy, I think most people are going to say features like Google search engines, you know, Gmail, um, recommendation engines for shopping, predictive text when it comes to uh, messaging and email communications. You know, all of these things require the collection of data. Fast forward to today, I think we're we're we we're p potentially going through a similar situation of you know, maybe a year ago there was a New York Times um, piece talking about location data and how it needs to be regulated because of how personally identifiable that information is and this is very sensitive information. Well, now that we're on, now that we're going through the current pandemic, and the idea is, hey, tech companies can help us solve this problem by collecting this type of information, and rightfully so. There's a lot of conversation happening of how do we build this system in a privacy-friendly manner. Anytime we have these massive paradigm shifts, we're going to reevaluate how important is privacy versus how important is the alternative. So yes, you can have privacy, but that means you don't get the benefits that come from allowing organizations to collect data and deliver a, a better experience to you. The onus from a commercial standpoint, the onus is going to be on marketers. Marketers have to make the case for, if you give me this th th these pieces of information that I'm trying to acquire about you, 
here's what I'm going to be able to deliver to you that I would not be able to do otherwise. Marketers have to make that case. So they've got to convince consumers that, you know, giving you access to my social media accounts, sharing my location data with you, my browsing data with you, what am I as a consumer getting in exchange? Do you have any thoughts on how consumers can be helped in protecting the data that they don't want shared um, or data that they don't want used in ways they can't control? Because it seems like, you know, once the information's out there, there's any number of ways it can be used, but it, it feels a little like you should have some kind of say. It almost feels like a game of whack-a-mole where, um, and it, it's almost like, it's a constant game of whack-a-mole because you would, in order to be the most vigilant person, you would have to be continually updating the places that you're going to make sure that you're not giving away this information. Um, Regulations like GDPR in the EU and CCPA for California have made it easier for people in those respective jurisdictions to opt out of data collection. And that's certainly something that a consumer can do is, depending on how important it is to you, you can opt out of the data collection practices from many websites. But then you also have to be mindful of data aggregators like Axiom that have, they've been the bread and butter of direct marketing for years. They accumulate and build, they accumulate data, much of it from public sources and product warranty registrations. They build very comprehensive uh, profiles of consumers. Uh, and that's where marketers turn to. So if you can opt out of the, of that profiling, you know, that's going to, going to go a long way. But the limitation is, let's say you opt out of it today. And then a month from now, you take an action which creates a new profile for you. And so that's why I say it's a constant battle that a consumer is going to have to wage if they want to kind of remove all traces of themselves. So again, it, it all depends on what, what do people value. I, I do an exercise in some of my classes where I ask my students, you know, I say, the data on your cell phone is really valuable to me. I would like to continue collecting that from you and it's so valuable that I'd be willing to pay you $1,000 a month for it. How many people would be okay with that? And all of their hands shoot up. And I say, well, turns out my math was a, was a little bit off. Your data is still valuable to me, but I'm only gonna be willing to pay you five bucks a month for it. And a lot of people say, oh no, that's not worth it to me. Others will say uh, that, well, hey, it's, it's better than me getting zero for it, I'll take the $5. And others will kind of say, well, I, you know, I, I don't like this, that, you know, that's just not worth it. Like, well, we've already established that you're willing to sell your data. Now we're just, we're, we're trying to go over the, the finer point of how much is it worth it to you? And so I think each consumer has to make the decision that is, is right for them. You know, how comfortable are you with your social media profiles being accessible? How comfortable are you with mobile location data being collected? How comfortable are you with browser data being collected, your financial information being collected? And in a lot of these cases, it's not going to be tied back to a particular individual. Uh, there, yeah, there are companies that maintain consumer panels that will aggregate it up to some level. And so it's almost that it's as if the consumer needs to read the fine print, right? You know, if, if privacy is a concern for you, 
read the details that are being shared with you. You know, credit card companies share their uh, privacy policies and information sharing practices with you all the time. Um, don't click through the terms of service without reading them if privacy is something that matters to you on a platform. And as a person who actually does have a, I probably shouldn't share this, but who does have an iPhone, um, you know, the, the terms of service, Apple's terms of service is something like 14 screens on an iPhone. If you actually were to try and read the whole thing, is there anything that businesses ought to be doing to sort of mitigate people's concerns about privacy? I, mean, I think it's, it seems like a high bar to ask people to read terms of service that are so long and some of which are in. Are uh, absolutely. And I think that's something it's an area where businesses need to get better at it. Right. It, it's something that we should be able, you should be able to say to consumers or show consumers on a single screen. This is the data that I'm going to collect from you. This is how I'm going to use it. It, it should be that simple. And do you think there's any kind of role for government in, um, in making sure that that happens or in trying to encourage businesses to make that happen? I think what the position that's go where we are going to end up is in a more regulated environment when it comes to the use of data. And as part of that regulatory push, um, the consumers will have more control over their data, um, but consumers don't get that for free. They're going to have to be mindful of what rights they have. If you don't know how to make to, how to avail yourself of those rights, they are completely worthless. Right? So as more as regulations come up surrounding data and it gives consumers the ability to opt out of certain things, to not have their data collected, consumers have to be knowledgeable about what rights they have and they have to act upon it. Um, so I do think there's going to be a necessary role for government to play in that. And I think this is an opportunity for marketers. If, you're, if, if marketing is truly about cultivating relationships with your customers, you won't have data from as many consumers. But the ones that you do get the data from are the ones that are more interested in having those relationships. And so it's an opportunity for marketers to build stronger relationships with their loyal um, customers. It's also an opportunity for brands to kind of differentiate themselves and say, hey, this is you know, what we're about. If we're about delivering a better customer experience, if we are truly customer centric and customers are telling us these are the things we value, we value privacy and we value personalized experience. All right. Well, how do I deliver that personalized experience in a privacy friendly manner? the brands that are able to figure that out, that's going to be a competitive advantage for them. I think that that, that kind of wraps it up. Thank you very, very much for your time. This was sure really thing. All right. Thanks a lot. For more information about the Goizueta Effect podcast, please visit emory.biz slash podcast.